Uh, well, look, it's been days, and I'm still talking about it. Uh, somebody should let Joe's Crab Shack know. Maybe they'll send me free meal tickets or a free T-shirt for all this great publicity I've been giving them here uh, on Facebook. But anyway, we went to the Joe's uh, Crab Shack in Redondo Beach, and it was just spectacular, looking out over the uh, over the harbor and um, – you know, had fun watching people kayak, uh, people turning over their sailboats and managing to, you know, uh, uh, right them, uh, you know, without the help of the, the Coast Guard. It was uh, <laughs> it was just fun. It was fun. Uh, so nothing better than a great meal and a great drink with uh, the love of my life. So anyway, it was very special and made my birthday celebration wonderful. So um, thank you, Roy, and thank you, Joe. Joe of Joe's Crab Shack. If, I wonder if there really is a Joe. Anyway, um, if uh, you don't know yet, uh, I am an official partnership practitioner with Rhianne Eisler's Center for Partnership Studies. And this weekend, I am giving part three of a four-part series of talks on partnership at the Museum of Woman. You probably uh, might recognize it as the Goddess Temple of Orange County in Irvine. Uh, this installment is uh, called Partnership with Your Local and Global Community. Um, you know, I, I am fond of saying, and I really do mean it, that partnership can save the world. If somebody said to me, uh, you know, give me a word, give me a phrase, what do we need? Um, you know, love is real close, you know, but, um, you know, I, I think I might almost even take a partnership over love. You know, sometimes partnership is more practical. Anyway, the past two talks uh, were partnership with yourself uh, and partnership with your intimate others. And uh, as I said, this one uh, coming up this Sunday is a partnership with local and global community. And the final one, the fourth one, uh, is partnership with source or deity, uh, however you want to refer to uh, the all that is out there. So if you'd like to hear uh, any of these talks, because maybe you missed them there live, uh, or you're out of town, or you're not local, uh, you can find them on my YouTube channel, actually. Uh, we video the talks and then upload them uh, you know, for the benefit of, uh, of folks. Um, uh, you just put in the YouTube search box, Karen Tate and Power of Partnership, and uh, I'm pretty sure they pop up real quick. And while you're there, uh, check out my Goddess Calling, inspirational messages and meditations uh, that are also uh, there on YouTube. Those are excerpts from my Goddess Calling book. Um, uh, at the YouTube channel box, you just put in Karen Tate, Goddess Calling, uh, inspirational messages, uh, and, you know, the, they will pop up. And all of this stuff... Uh, uh, you know, comes up very easily. I'm also giving a talk at the Pagan Day Fest in Burbank, the second Saturday in September. That's right around the corner. Uh, that's uh, going to be an excellent uh, weekend event if uh, if you're local. If you so, if you'd like to hear uh, what I'm going to be talking about, it's um, it's uh, called uh, my talk is reawakening our earliest sacred stories about the how the divine feminine uh, can help save the world. And um, 
I'll be there at 1 o'clock. I'll be talking from 1 to 2. And, again, I make all my talks available on social media. Uh, you can find that talk, too, on YouTube. Just put in the search box, Karen Tate, Reawakening Our Earliest Sacred Stories. Uh, I gave a version of the talk I'm giving at the Pagan uh, Day Fest uh, to the Council for the Parliament of World Religions. And, you know, if you have any problems finding any of this, uh, just get in touch with me through my website, uh, KarenTate.com. Uh, you know that'll uh, by going to my website uh, you'll of course find my email address Uh, I'm not a hard person to find by any means okay so uh, with that uh, housekeeping out of the way uh, we're going to turn our attention uh, to tonight's guest uh, Tom Evans as I uh, you know already mentioned let me tell you a bit about Tom and uh, then we're going to start our chat Uh, He's an ex-BBC TV engineer who became an author after he learned to meditate in his mid-40s. As an engineer, uh, he has since discovered many practical benefits to mindfulness meditation over and above uh, what you hear often, which is, you know, the benefits of stress reduction. He teaches authors and artists how to channel and entrepreneurs how to generate light bulb moments on demand. Uh, He has created the world's first time management program based on mindfulness called Living Timefully. He's also the host of the popular podcast, The Zone Show, which I uh, had a wonderful time on with Tom, and I'm so glad to reciprocate and have him on the show with me. And on The Zone Show, he explores how to get in and stay in the creative zone where that magic happens. So, Tom, uh, welcome to the show. Oh, it's an honor to be here, and a belated happy birthday, too. Oh, thank you so much, and and thank you for staying up in the middle of the night. Um, I, I forget exactly where you're calling from, but I know you're you're across the pond over there in Europe, aren't you? Yeah, not far from London, about 30 miles from London, and about 2 p.m. local time, 2 a.m. local time over here. Oh wow! Well, thank you, thank you so much. Um, you know, hopefully our conversation will will keep you awake. <laughs> um, so you you reinvented yourself, Tom, uh, when you left uh, your uh, you know your gig there uh, with the BBC. Uh, it seems. Um, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about that. What caused you to uh, shift gears? Well, it was a, a gradual progression, really. I, I left the BBC, actually, in my, my 20s, and I, I formed my own um, manufacturing business. And I didn't realize at the time that what I was doing was uh, having light bulb moments left, right, and center. I had uh, several patents to my name um, and had a great career um, making widgets for broadcasters, which I shipped all over the world. And then in the uh, early 90s, um, I sold that business to another company, merged with another company, and the internet was coming about, and I said to the MD of that company, we need to get into the internet, and he said, it'll never happen, we'll never get video going over the internet. So I left and formed a new company to uh, to take advantage of that new technology. And I guess in my mid-40s, I didn't have that midlife hiccup, but a kind of, midlife crisis, but a midlife hiccup. And I just, um, I felt there was more to life, and there's more to explore than the technology that I'd be learning for the last uh, 20-odd years. 
Um, and so I started off in a new creative direction. At first, I thought it was just about authoring and helping people to write books. I became a, uh, an author's mentor and an expert at clearing writer's block and, and getting people into the zone. And then my books took off and uh, and ended up with me running the podcast and um, and actually becoming a meditation teacher. I, I had no idea that's what I was uh, was good at. So I, in in some respects... I don't really engineer my life nowadays. I just uh, allow life to to come to me. Wow. You know, um, what a gift. Uh, We could all learn so much from you. You know, I think we, uh, you know, we get caught up in the rat race. You know, we're like the hamster on the wheel, and uh, we lose track of maybe what life is really supposed to be about. And uh, you sound like you, uh, you know, you've really figured it out. Well, I, I tell you, I haven't really figured it out because in, in the back of all my books, it says um, at the end of my biography, uh, Tom still doesn't know what he wants to do when he grows up. Now, bearing in mind I'm 58 now, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm just allowing, I found that allowing the world to come to you is a much better way. I didn't plan to, to write a book. I didn't plan to be a book coach. I didn't plan to be a meditation teacher. But uh, all of those um, uh, job titles, if you like, seem to fit in very nicely. And also they they work very nicely with that earlier version of me, who's the techie guy, you know, because, um, you know, I find it very easy to edit my shows, to put the videos together, to to engineer the the audiobooks and the meditations. So it's almost like uh, that early incarnation just merged very nicely into the, the later incarnations. And I suspect also... There's um, other things I'll be doing um, going on from here, too. This won't be the end of it. Well, you know, and and I think there's something to um, seeing these opportunities, you know, seeing the doors and the windows when they open, Um, you know, because sometimes we can have such – uh, tunnel vision, you know, we can uh, we can sort of miss the opportunities, you know, maybe miss the clues that the universe um, is putting in our path that, uh, uh, you know, might give us other options that might take us down more enjoyable roads. Um, I don't know, I, I, as I'm listening to you talk, you know, that's kind of you know, the deduction that I'm making, you know, that um, you know, you had the courage to maybe uh, take sometimes the path less traveled, uh, maybe even do some things that were riskier, um, but yet, uh, you know, maybe these things led to more personal satisfaction. Absolutely. I, I don't do what I consider work anymore because I, I just uh, do what I in, uh, enjoy doing. But uh, I think the main thing is that, is that um, I've allowed... Um, people I work with to define uh, how I can serve and so uh, if someone says uh, Tom I want you to be my author coach I'll be an author coach but if someone says I want you to um, be my mindfulness teacher or teach me meditation I'll do that or if someone says I want to uh, you to help me set up a podcast because you've done it will you do that as well and so I, I kind of allow the universe to, to define what it is that I am and what I am capable of I see. I see. That's cool. That's cool. I mean, I know that's how I got back into radio. You know, um, yeah. I would, I would, I would do these interviews uh, to promote my books, which I never uh, really set out to uh, to really write. 
Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I would have these producers say, uh, well, do you have your own show? And I'd say no. And they'd say, well, you should. And, you know, by about the third time, I really listened, you know, and, and this producer wouldn't take no for an answer. And I don't know. You know, I think sometimes things just fall into our lap. And, um you know, we have to have the good sense to uh, to grab hold of them and uh, uh, and and see that's you know maybe uh, a gift of the universe, you know, or it's the wisdom of the universe uh, leading us in a you know in a direction. Um, so, um, so Tom, your mindfulness meditations um, uh, was that? I mean, how did that even come about? I mean, did uh, you know was that serendipity, uh, or uh, you know did it? You know, did you start out as a, you know, as you know, with the intentional practice? No, I, I, I have to tell you, it's, it's a good example of what you're just talking about, and I have to say that you're you're a natural uh, uh, conversationalist and, and presenter. So I'm glad that you uh, took up that baton. But uh, yeah, what happened was I, um, I I I wrote when I started writing my books, um, I thought it'd be useful if people could have practical tools. Uh, in addition to the books, so I, all of my books have got like companion meditations that go with them. Now I've never been to an ashram, I've never studied mindfulness, I haven't been on a course uh, to teach me, myself meditation. I channel in all the meditations, and about a year ago, no, exactly a year ago, I got approached by this app called Insight Timer, and they said, Tom, we've uh, come across your work. Would you upload a meditation to our app? And I did that, and then I found out that. The, the the things that I thought were were accessories and augmentations of my books could stand up in in their own right and I guess um, uh, it was now a year since I've been on that app and we've had over two hundred thousand listens in a year and people love it and and it was the app that found that found me that then taught me that I wasn't a bad meditation teacher so it encouraged me to do even more and in fact so so much so that my next book is the first book where what i've done is i've not just um put the book together and added the meditations to it i've actually made them an integral part of the book so there's 10 chapters and 10 meditations and each take each each chapter is accompanied by a meditation which really augments what that chapter is talking about and is that uh, the uh, the authority guide to practical mindfulness? Is uh, yeah. that one of your new projects? Yeah, it's going to come out in October, and it's the first book I've ever done where I'm doing the Kindle version, the print version, and the audiobook version at the same time. Okay, and um, so now is or or, or those those um, those. You know these ten practical meditations are they all geared toward uh accomplishing different things oh absolutely yeah the the whole the, the whole book's been a joy to put together in fact i've got to tell you i wasn't planning to write a book this year at all. I was going to give my my writing a year off and the, the this um publisher approached me and, and said, "Would you write it?" So I wrote the book very quickly. One of the things I teach is how to bend uh, time and get more things done in less time. So there's a there's a chapter. That obviously, I start out talking about the the the, the well-being aspects of of meditation. You know, the fact that if you are weller and you are healthier, then you get more time and productivity. Just uh, from the point of view, you're spending less time off work. If you know what I mean. So uh, it's a book that aimed at, at business people, but also at busy mums. 
and stay-at-home dads, you know, uh, and, it, and it teaches how to be lucky, how to find your soulmate, how to uh, get more things done in less time, how to be more creative, how to get the left and right brains working together. But also it redefines mindfulness as well because a lot of mindfulness really talks about thoughts, you know, it talks about the, 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 the processes that are in our heads, but true mindfulness is really mindfulness of all our neurology, uh, of our feelings, of the uh, information that comes from our internal mind centers like our heart and our gut, but also, uh, as you know, the information that we get um, from outside our brain and uh, and, and the, the really acknowledgement that our brain is not just a generator of thought but also a receiver of thought. And when we get into that channeling space where we can re- receive the divine wisdom, we kind of transcend what we're capable of as humans. Hmm. Well, I mean, it sounds like all the different things you're covering that book, it's kind of like a how-to to to really just sort of get your life in order. I mean, you're you're covering it all. Yeah, and the key is 10 minutes a day. That's all it takes. So there's 10 10-minute meditations that come with with the book. And if you just um, uh, do one of those uh, for 10 days, that's all it takes to, to learn this meditative practice. The benefits are huge, and uh, yeah. So, are you are you reading the meditation, or are you actually hearing it? I mean, is does it have an audio file attached? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, in the audio book, it's an integral part of the audio book. So, it goes uh, chapter meditation, chapter meditation. Uh, if you get the Kindle version or the um, or the print version, then you come to my website and you can download the meditations. Okay. And okay. Then, then, so, then listen. Then listen to them. Yeah, yeah. So, so Tom, you know, for people who are hearing mindfulness, um, uh, you know, how is mindfulness different from the different types of meditation that are out there? You know, we've heard heard about transcendental meditation and all of the other, uh, you know, ways to meditate. Is it is it different? Yeah, I think it's really important to define the term because um, I, I, it's really come in vogue nowadays. Uh, obviously, it's got roots in, in Buddhism. And I think it's really important to realize that you can be mindful without meditating and you can meditate without being mindful. Uh, and mindfulness meditation as a term has got a different connotation as well. So mindfulness really, in, in some respects, um, uh, it's it's been hijacked, you know, and people are kind of trying to to use it as I don't know a, a motivational uh, carrot and stick nowadays, and so it's been brought into places, as you said before, you know, at schools that, that it's great that it's been used instead of punishment, but also in some places, some companies are using it to try and get more out of their staff by uh, uh, using it in, in some kind of subterfuge. And I've come across a couple of cases in the UK where it's not being used in a mindful way, which is a bit ironic. Um, so, yeah, mindfulness really is, is uh, it's been hijacked, but what it means is just being uh, thoughtful, uh, being, uh, being um, I guess, empathic, uh, caring, and compassionate. And then meditation is the process of accessing the mindfulness state, and then when you put the two things together, then you've got this state, uh, a mindfulness state. But I've I got two other terms that which I... I use, uh, which is timefulness, so being mindful of how you invest your time. And also, when you start to generate more time, you can have more time to be kind to yourself, 
and also more time to be kind to other people. So I've also invented this other term called kindfulness. And when you're mindful, timeful, and kindful, then you end up in a new way to be. And also then the, the world is kinder back to you. So it goes like in a, a full circle. Yeah. Well, you know, um, some people I know talk about the threefold law, and supposedly what you put out uh, comes back to you times three. So, uh, you know, if you're mindful, timeful, and kindful, uh, and you get that back uh, times three, you wouldn't be doing too bad. <laughs> a good investment. Nowadays, when you're not getting much out of the bank, uh, maybe you get 1% out of a <laughs> bank, then uh, how about getting uh, 300%? <laughs> Absolutely. And shoot, uh, I don't think we even get 1%. You know, uh, here you, you get a fraction, a fraction of a percent. Um, so you you talked about uh, bending time. Um, you know, without asking you to give away too much, um, can you maybe just give some tips on how we can actually uh, achieve that, you know, to actually bend time to have more time? I mean, and, yeah, and are and also, we really getting more time, or is it the illusion of more time? Or does it well, matter? Let me turn around. I'll turn it around the other way, but first off, I've got to say that I don't mind giving things away, because I know if I give things away, then stuff comes back in that threefold uh, manner. So I'm going to tell you, you how it's done. So I'll tell you how it's done. So the way it works is this, is that the, the neuroscientists have yet to find um, the clock in our in our body. And and time is a man-made thing. You know, before we were around to observe time, time didn't really exist. I've written a whole book on it called uh, Managing Time Mindfully. And what I do in the, the, the books uh, in four quarters, the first quarter is where did time come from? Where did, how did we start to, um, not just before clocks and, and humans were around, uh, what was the clock of the universe? You know, and, and our clocks, the only clocks that we really got which are, are real clocks, are the rotation of the Earth, the rotation of the Moon around the Earth, and the rotation of the Earth around the Sun. And they are days, moons, not months, moons, and years. Everything else, seconds, minutes, hours, weeks, uh, and, and months, they're all made up so we can run our modern-day society. And as we made them up, we can unmake them as well. So the, the first thing that happens with, with time is it's actually... Um, it, we perceive it in different ways. Our left and right brain perceive it in different ways. So our left brain sits inside space and time, and our right brain sits everywhere and every when else. Our gut mind sits five seconds ahead of time, which is why we should always trust it, because it knows what's, what's coming along. So we've got different bits of our body that are sinking in different ways. But the main clock, the main thing that drives our speed of time and our perception is our breath. So if we breathe slower and you, you don't have to breathe slow all the way through the day you can just do sort of uh, seven or nine deep belly breaths really using your, your diaphragm that's enough to slow time down uh, for you for the rest of the day and also if you get into a position where you know something annoys you and you can get angry and then start to waste time by uh, you know uh, starting to I guess create an incendiary kind of situation. If you just breathe slowly for a while, it has the effect of slowing time down. And a good way of um, explaining how this works is that um, our, our natural lifespan is about 50 to 60 years. It's only our sort of modern uh, med medication, sanitation, uh, certainly in the Western world, that's increased that lifespan. But go back 200 years, then we were living for an average of 50, 60 years. And our breath, 
rate of our breath is um, 12 to 15 times every second. An elephant lives for uh, 90 years, and it, it breathes around eight times, not sorry, 12 to 15 times a minute. So we are now 2.30 a.m. over in the U.K., so sorry for getting that wrong. So 12 to 15 times a, a minute. Uh, elephants breathe for around eight times a minute, uh, live to about 90 years, and a giant tortoise breathes for four times a minute and lives up to about 150. So the speed of our breath is one of the main things that drives our perception of time. Wow. That is really yeah. interesting. That is incredibly interesting. Huh. I, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start thinking about that. <laughs> uh, wow. I, I, that's, that is so cool. Um, and you know, you, okay. ever, you ever done this, Karen? Have you ever, you ever you've been late, you're driving somewhere, and, and somehow you just get to the end destination just in time? Yeah. And the, and the reason you can do that is instead of panicking, if you just breathe slowly, the lights go on green for you. Uh, when you get to where you're going to get to, there's a parking space right outside, parking bay right outside. So the, the, the breath is one of the biggest, uh, uh, the biggest drivers to our perception of time. Interesting. That is really incredibly interesting because, you know, you would think when you start to get stressed and you panic, that's sort of when you freeze and you stop breathing. But but mm. you're saying, you know, slow down, uh, you know, breathe more intently. And, uh, you know, that sort of, uh, you know, makes things flow so much better. It does, and then you can do, you can get more specific than that. We can we can uh, integrate the way the left and right brain work uh, together better by nostril breathing through alternate nostrils. Uh, when you when you are stressed, you tend to breathe just with your what's called the intercostal muscles. So you breathe very shallowly, and you can hyperventilate. But when you use the diaphragm and really let your belly expand on the in breath, and then completely uh, contract on the on on the out breath then that has that ability to, one, calm you down, to um, energize the neurons in a much better way as well, so you can be more creative, uh, and three, uh, slow the perception of time down so you get more things done in less time. Hmm. Well, and, you know, you're making me think about, I mean, you you breathe like that when you're doing Tai Chi or yoga, and, um, you know, maybe that's, uh, you know, that's all part of the reason when you do some of these other modalities um, you know, you feel so much more grounded and uh, peaceful, and maybe you don't even realize it, but you're slowing down. You're slowing things down. Yeah, and I'm not like inventing anything new. These sort of things have been around for thousands and thousands of years. All I'm doing is bringing it into a, into a modern day context that's sort of usable for people in a kind of a creative and business sense. But something more subtle happens when you do that as well. Not only do you change your own perception of time, but external events seem to happen just in time. So you spend less time. Uh, for example, with this, with this book, if I wanted to write this book and, and put it out to a, a publisher, I could have sent off you know, 30 proposals to publishers and maybe I'd get sort of um, 20 no replies and, and nine coming back saying, uh, not for us right now. But what I did with this book is um, I just put it out there that it'd be nice to to have a book that had meditations as, as an integral part of the book, and the publisher found me. We saved a lot of time. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I see what you're. I, I see what you're saying. Wow, if I could figure out how to use that for some things, I want to manifest. <laughs> well, well, you know, and, and and you know, maybe that's uh, that's my next question. You know, one one of the things you had in your, uh, you know, on, on your checklist was, um, you know, how we can, uh, you know, use mindfulness to create abundance, uh, to manifest. How do you, um, you know, just by being mindful mindful how do you how do you create abundance how do you manifest things well um that's kind of interesting really um one of the things with our head is that it it you know when people um talk about the law of attraction and stuff like that you might say well if i have a vision board and i've got my ferrari on there and my my two million dollar house that overlooks the uh, the Pacific or something of that sort of nature, then what happens is that our head puts that thought out and we might have, be lucky at, we might get some of that. We might not get a Ferrari, we might not get a $2 million uh, mansion, but we might get somewhere like it. But at the same time we do that, our lower mind centers put out the fear that we might not get it. And so you've got to be mindful that, that thoughts don't just come from our head, they come from our whole neurology. And actually the place where we can be truly mindful is to when we when we set our consciousness in our heart. So what we put out there is not the, the Ferrari and the, uh, and, the, and the mansion, but what it will, will allow us to do when we achieve those things. By the way, I'm not advocating that everyone gets Ferraris uh, and, 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 and mansions overlooking the, uh, the Pacific coast, but um, what, if we put out to the universe and we're mindful about our purpose and how we can serve, um, then what the universe does is then delivers for us exactly what we need. And if we have two, instead of having two thought forms that are out there, one is the desire for something to happen, and then also the fear that it might not happen, they can kind of in, interfere with each other. We just put out the one thought form, which is the, um, our intention of how we'd like to serve then we end up with a completely different situation and uh, going down new paths that we wouldn't even imagine. Well, you know, you're, what you're saying reminds me of something my husband always says. You know, he always feels like he can maybe manifest something uh, if it if it means it's being in service or it's for someone else. But he always feels like it's more difficult to manifest something for himself because it's like self-interest. You know, it's um, you know maybe it's it's um, it, it's selfish. Um, it, does that is that sort of thinking at you know part of um, why you think your system works? Well, no, because um, I, I would actually slightly disagree with your husband. It's, it's lovely to be uh, selfless and it's lovely to serve, and uh, and I like to think that I I do both of those things. But also, we live on a planet of abundance, and and there's enough for everybody. There's enough for all all seven billion people on this planet. If only we are uh, collectively mindful about it. And you know that idea that if a plane depressurizes, they say put your oxygen mask on first, so you can now right. help other people. So the, right. the, by by demonstrating uh, what abundance is all about, you can actually help a lot more people by doing it. And I don't mean, uh, you know, by by making lots of money and giving it all away to charity or anything like that, but just by showing that there is enough 
and that there's a nice way of living a, a balance um, which is ethical, ecological, uh, and sensible and, and, and practical. Then um, I think we can uh, we can show other people the way too. But the real trick, the real trick, is to be mindful that our more than our head generates um, thought forms into the world, and thought forms reflect back at us. So if you got the idea that you you have a desire for something, but also if you didn't get it, then then the the thought form that you have a lack would also go out there. It's uh, by changing that. Uh, modality and moving our consciousness to our heart, uh, we can achieve an amazing abundance. Okay, and and explain one more time how do you how you shift the sort of the negative thoughts, the fear, the um, you know the part that's in your gut that has you worried you won't get it. How do you shift that so that it doesn't block you? Well, what I've done is I've put a program together called Heartful Living, and and it's really a great example of practical mindfulness. About um, uh, two months ago, I had my cataracts done, and I was on the operating table, and um, I said to the surgeon, um, you know, um, I suppose I don't need any more uh, eyes. He said, you know, no more eyes to do yet. And he said, no, that's you for life now. These, these uh, new lenses will last you for the rest of your life. And at that very moment, I realized that we have another eye. It's called the third eye. And uh, and that can be cloudy too. And I realized that this program that I'd already designed called Heartful Living, which teaches you how to uh, become aware of these other mind centers, is the key to doing this. And, and what I've done is I've set up a whole philanthropic movement now based around it. Because I found out that um, uh, that for less than the price of the program, uh, there's a train that goes around India and a hospital boat in Bangladesh and a tented hospital in Nepal where um, people can have their real cataracts uh, healed and, and cured for you know just the price of a few cups of coffee, basically. So what I'm doing at the moment is I'm using the Heartful Living course to help people in the developing, the developed world to really get this uh, new level of mindfulness uh, installed inside them. At the same time, for everyone that buys that course, someone in the developing world will have their cataracts cured. So it's a nice sort of a a really good example of how we can create spirals of abundance in in an environment where we're actually, our economy is based on spirals of debt, you know, based on selling debt. And what we're doing Mm -hmm. here is we're actually... uh, but the people in the Western world are, are improving them, themselves and waking and awakening at the same time someone in the developing world who could if they lost their sight, they didn't just lose their sight, they lose their livelihood, get their sight back again. And it's a good example of how we can work together on this planet, which is a, an amazingly special planet to help everybody on the planet. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So in other words, uh, it, it's sort of like part of the proceeds when they purchase the uh, the program is is then donated to the folks in India. That's how they get the cataract surgery. For sure, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, I've just done. Uh, we're running the program for for just two months now, and right now we've done twenty people. So we, it's, it's a twenty twenty vision uh, success at the moment, which is just fantastic. Yeah, and here you go again. You know, you're, uh, you know, you, you know, you're, you're creating something, and it, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's, 
you know, it, it, it's reaching out. It's like it has it, these tentacles, uh, you know, then rather just rather than just help the people who buy the program, uh, you know, there's this extra layer to it that, uh, um, you know, you know, helps these people in, in, in this, I don't know, is that, I don't know, is India considered a third world country? I don't know. Uh, you know, but, but helps them do something they might not otherwise be able to achieve themselves uh, with the poverty in that country. Exactly. I mean, parts of India are third world country, parts aren't. And 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 also, I'm not going to restrict it to that because I've got loads of other programs as well. So I'm just going to run this program for a few months to to get it um, really internationally recognised. And I've got other programs that help with ADHD, OCD, PTSD. I've even got some meditations that could help with dementia as well. And also my my timeful living programs um, are very useful for people that might have um, terminal illnesses to get the best out of the time that they have left. So um, so I want to look around now. Now I've started this uh, program. I want to look around for other areas where my programs can have a philanthropic output too. And what a great way to get up in the morning when you 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 get up and someone from somewhere somewhere around the world has invested in a program. And that's given sight back to somebody. Just a right. great feeling you get. Yeah. Well, and you know what you're making me think about, Tom. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes it's so quick for us to forget um, this this whole idea of philanthropy. You know, um, you know, we all know that we feel better when we give, but yet, you know, we're living in this world of greed. Um, you know, where. You know, it 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 that that seems to be the new god, uh, you know, greed. Um, and I, I don't know. You know, sometimes I feel like these people that uh, are so motivated by greed, they must have a big hole inside them that uh, they can never fill. That uh, it seems to me, uh, maybe if they were doing the opposite, maybe if they were actually doing some philanthropy, like what you're talking about, you know, um, I don't know. It it just feels like that's the healing balm uh, for humanity. Um, you know, is is if we find ways to be in partnership, like I was saying, you know, to take care of one another. Um, you know, if that were uh you know sort of the idea that we're taught you know if if that were the thing that was in vogue uh you know rather than greed is good um wow you know wouldn't uh wouldn't this be a happier place to live yeah and you can't take it with you and if you if you got the slightest um notion that reincarnation might be in operation you you can't come back with the money you've earned in this lifetime into the next lifetime. So, uh, but the one thing you can do is leave the world a better place uh, when you you depart this mortal coil. So if you do come back again, it's a better world to come back into. Yeah, yeah, and if you believe in karma too, you know. Uh, Wow, yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, another part of this mindfulness uh, is the whole brain thinking, uh, getting the left and the right brain working together. Um, do you yeah. want to speak to that a little bit? Uh, and then, and also the whole mind thinking. Yeah, and I, do, I mean, you I, kind I, of touched I, on them a little bit. 
Yeah, and and it's 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 kind of part of um it's part of this new book and and also my book on on um on managing time mindfully. You know, over here we have uh, GMT, which is Greenwich Mean Time, and you have PST, which is Pacific Standard Time. I've come up with a new a new a new um, acronym, which is EMT, and it's Extended Me Time. And what happens <laughs> is when you get the left and right when when you get the left and right brain working together, you get into this lovely zone state. Uh, and by by allowing your your controlling your, your your thoughts, that internal chatter that goes along, you know the only the human mind can only have one thought at a time. So if you're thinking about what you're thinking about right now, then uh, you lose the uh, the thought. And so if you're worried about what you're doing tomorrow, or thinking about a conversation that um, that you had yesterday that didn't go so well, you'll lose focus and efficiency on what you're doing right now. So what mindfulness meditation does is allow you to not have no thoughts at all, but just choose the ones that you're having. And so if you're writing a book, or you're being creative, and uh, uh, I don't know, working on a sales proposal or something like that, then uh, learning to to be in the EMT state, which is when the left and right brain are operating at the same time on the same thing, is a really useful thing to do. Uh, and then you can add to that then this whole idea of the whole mind state. So if you if you think something's a good idea and your heart is in love with it and your gut says, yeah, I'll give this a green light, you are absolutely unstoppable. So getting your head, your heart and your gut in alignment is really, really important. And you know how many times have, I'm sure you said this and I've done this. You say, I wish I wish I'd trusted my gut. I wish I'd followed my heart. And if we do that every single time, we will save time. And if you think uh, that it's a good idea, but there's something not quite right about it, you can, about it, you can consult with your lower mind centers. You can consult with your heart and say, okay, heart, you're not totally into this. What would have to change so you would fall in love with it? And you can consult with your gut and say, okay, gut, you're not giving me the green light here. You're saying this is something something a bit slightly wrong. What would have to change so I could get your green light? And and these are these are these are techniques which are really easy to to learn. Uh, I've just given you how to do it. It's just imagination. Um, I've got meditations that teach it uh, in in more depth. But the principle is just talk to your heart, talk to your gut as if they're active mind centers and you'll get the answer back very, very quickly. Well, and I mean, just in this brief conversation, uh, I mean, I think it comes across, uh, you know, it, 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 incredibly clear what a creative guy you are. So, you know, obviously uh, what you're doing, what you're trying to teach people, uh, it certainly it certainly works if you're, uh, you know, if, if you're an example of it. <laughs> Yeah, and I wouldn't. I mean, it, this latest book, you know, I've, I wrote it in less than a month because um, I get into the EMT state when I write these things. It's an eyes open meditative state, uh, and I wouldn't um, have the audacity to teach it if I couldn't do it myself and, and have taught loads of other people how to do it already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. So, I mean, I, I'm sure most of my listeners, I mean, this has all been very interesting, but, uh, you know, the idea of finding your soulmate um, using mindfulness techniques, you know, that's kind of a different approach. Um, so how do you how do you connect those dots? <laughs> well, again, it's all about putting your consciousness into your heart, but actually a very specific uh, technique which I teach is uh, is how to uh, use the heart as a, an attractor. And th- the, basically the way it works is this, is that 
if you don't totally love yourself, it's pretty, it's a hard ask to ask anyone else to, to love you. Uh, if you don't love what you're doing, then again, it's a hard ask to to get people to love you. If you don't love what you're saying, again, it's a hard ask. So it's all about getting yourself into a state where you love yourself, which is not in a narcissistic way, you know, taking selfies all day and putting them on Instagram and that kind of thing. It's about loving who you are, what you represent, the stuff you do, the people that you're with. And when you're in that mode where you're totally in love with what you do and who you and what you are, then what happens is your soulmate just turns up out of the ether. And I've lost count of the number of people now that um, I've, I've taught this to. And actually, one of the I've got a real success on my hands. Uh, one of my uh, uh, one of my uh, clients has, uh, got married about a year ago, and she's just delivered her her um, uh, a baby, and and all as a result of learning how to uh, to love herself totally in that non-narcissistic way. So it's about being, um, if you like, mindful about what love means to you, mindful about what um, how you could love and be loved and it's not about going out uh, kind of speed dating and all that kind of stuff and using these apps like tinder it's using the power of the heart which is so so powerful the heart math institute now we know that the 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 heart is a powerful neurological center and once we move our our consciousness to it and kind of do some neat little tricks I, i teach everyone not to to have a to-do list and just to have a to-love list and when you've got a to-love list and you're doing all the things that you love to do it's amazing how uh, the world around you responds to that in, in kind and actually delivers for you even more things that you love to do including um, uh, your soulmate too yeah well and you know you're making me think about something you know they always say you know you find someone when you're not looking you know they say go out and do the things you like and uh mr right or miss right will appear and it's probably because of what you just said if you actually are out there being happy feeling fulfilled um you know you're you you you're putting out that different vibe you're putting out that different energy rather than this sort of desperation that maybe uh, is the energy you put out at speed dating, for instance, you know, uh, or frustration or cynicism, you know. Uh, But if you're out there uh, enjoying something that uh, floats your boat, um, you know, you seem a lot more attractive to someone else you know because uh they're picking up on that positive vibe you're putting out yeah absolutely if you've got thoughts of uh, lack of self-worth and neediness or if, if the speed dating thing is that you know lack of time i've got to do this really quickly to uh otherwise i might miss out and uh, and so those thoughts um attract people with similar thought forms but if you if you say you go and i don't know uh, get involved with a local choir or or get involved with some sort of outdoor activity or even work at a charity shop and and, and that kind of thing, you'll just find that the those, that magical soulmate just walks into your life uh, out of the blue. And it's happened so, so many times now to people that have been listening to the, uh, the Heartful Living uh, course, which is just amazing. 
Hmm. Okay. And if somebody wants to find your Heart for Living course, how do they um, how do they locate that? Yeah, just come along to um, my website www.tomevans.co. That's not .com or .co.uk, just .co, and you'll pretty much find it all all the way through there. And uh, my campaign's called the I Love Campaign, which is lovely. E Y E L O V E. So if you go to tomevans.co/i love, you'll find out. Um, all about how you can remove cataracts from your third eye and how that helps people uh, remove cataracts uh, and real cataracts too. Um, and by the way, if anyone uh, has got any any other uh, charities where they're doing this elsewhere, uh, maybe in South America or, or other places or in Africa, I'm very happy to align uh, these campaigns with other charities. Um, so this was just I just knew about this train that went around India. And the charity that uh, runs it, would you believe, is 20 miles from my house. So, again, it's serendipity in action. Once you get the intention for an idea, then all the things that you need to deliver it just turn up out of the blue. Yeah, wow. Um, Okay. Um, And I want to know more about um, how to channel and become an oracle, too, if if you feel like you uh, have a little bit more time for us tonight. Yeah, sure. Well, basically, um, again, this is all about a cloudy third eye. If you've got a cloudy third eye, then that blocks any external thought bombs coming. So our thoughts uh, our thoughts come from three places. They come from um, our senses and, and inner mind centers, from the heart, the gut, from the sacral and root, and root uh, minds. But they also come from the collective mind as well. And if you think about it, the, in the collective mind sits outside space and time. And so into the collective mind is all wisdom, past, present, and future. And one of the things I teach people to do is to channel their future self. And that your future self knows the book you haven't written yet. It knows the, the answer to the question that you're asking right now. And so if you go into the future, the near future, um, a minute from now, 10 minutes from now, or let's say a year from now when this book you want to write has been published, you can actually bring this information down really, really quickly. And as it comes from outside space and time, then it also uh, comes into this EMT state. You end up in this EMT state where time takes on this ethereal, squidgy kind of quality. And this information comes through your crown, into your third eye, and then out through whatever your art form might be, whether it's painting, uh, writing, singing, uh, creating music or or whatever, or writing that sales proposal. So it's having an open mind, an open uh, open crown, um, having a clear third eye, uh, and also using the left and right brain together. It's all of those. It's all of those things. And again, you know, all you have to do if you want to channel something is to ask the question. But the quality of the question is really really important. So if I said, for example. Um, should I write book A or book B, then uh, I'm actually um, kind of making things a bit unclear. So it's best to write, should I write book A and then get a yes or a no? Should I write book B, get a yes or a no? And if you get two no's, so uh, don't write book A, don't write book B, it's possible that you should be writing book C. If you get a yes, write book A and write book B, then you ask another question of, should I write book A first, yes or no, should I write book B first, yes or no. So with oracles, the key is in asking the right question. And there's an art in asking the right question as much as there's an art in receiving the answer. 
So it sounds like, um, at least the way you're phrasing the questions, uh, you're asking very simple, direct questions rather than convoluted questions. For sure, yeah, yeah. So should I, should I, um, should I uh, marry soulmate A, B, or C that I met at speed dating? Uh, you're not going to get the right answer. So uh, you, you've got to say very, very specific uh, questions about um, what you're trying to achieve, and and also just break it down simply. But when you end up in, when you channel a lot, when you get into the state where stuff comes in and you practice it, it becomes second nature. So you know, you know when it's right. You know when. Um, you know, when when we first um, spoke to each other about being on each other's podcasts, then I didn't need much convincing to invite you on as a guest to to my show, or when you kindly invite me back on again on onto your show, I didn't have to spend much time uh, consulting. You know, uh, after a while, a bit like riding a bike, you just say, "Hey, this sounds great. I'm going to be there." Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, I think you you know you. Uh you know, it makes me think of that that cliche saying. You know, you just trust your gut. You do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's got it's got heart and head, and then having an open mind so you can get unlimited wisdom coming in as well. Uh, and mm-hmm. then most of my uh, most of my meditations, most of my books, most of the the stuff that comes in, it comes in from the collective mind. You know, it comes in uh, through that that channel route. So often I write something down. And I go, well, I didn't know I didn't know that, but it sounds good to me. So let's put that into this book or put it into that meditation. Uh, and that's because I, I you're open again to receive. You're open to receive not just. Um, sort of um, good fortune in in this world, but also to receive good information too. Okay. And, and you know, I, I hope this isn't a curveball, and, and please feel, um, uh, you know, that, that you don't have to answer, and it's, and it's okay. But, you know, I guess I, I'm just curious, do you have a sp- – do you have a spiritual belief, you know, um, are you of a particular religion or any religion at all? Um, I, I'm, I don't know why I'm asking you that, but suddenly it, it, uh, just hearing you talk, you sound like such a wise man. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious, I guess. Oh, feel free. It's not a curveball at all. Feel free to ask the question. I was raised a Roman Catholic, um, uh, and I kind of lapsed in my my mid-teens. Um, and I had I was pretty suspicious of most religions uh, since then. I'm not a great fan of dogma, um, but, I, but I'm also a great believer in everybody has the free choice to follow whatever creed that they believe. Personally, I am I I'm a, I'd be called probably an agnostic humanist. So uh, I don't I don't believe in a, in any particular religion. Religion I'm open to all, but if anything, I'm probably what you call a pantheist. So I see God in everyone and in everything. So you know, God is in 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 the earth, in the sea, in the air, uh, in the sun, in the stars, the moon, and the planets, uh, and in all life forms and in all in all beings. So it's quite a Buddhist philosophy in a way. But I wouldn't call myself a Buddhist either. So, uh, so I'm, I, if anything, I'm freelance and fairly maverick. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> Sounds like you're you're a you're a wonderful eclectic. Um, well, Tom, that 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 feels like a very positive note uh, to end this very interesting conversation on. And um, I, I I keep 
getting this. Uh, I have to tell you, you're probably going to laugh, but I keep uh, thinking, you know, I bet uh, Tom has an incredible following. I bet people call him t- uh, their guru. You know, I, I could, you know, you, uh, you seem to make this all uh, seem so simple. And it feels like you just, um, you know, have the technique down. And uh, I don't know. I think I'm just going to start calling you Guru Tom. (laughs) (laughs) I must tell you a funny story if I've got time. Do you know Harry Potter? In Harry Potter, there's the Grand Wizard Dumbledore. Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah, so so I've got some clients that call me Dumbledore. But by way of balance at the weekend, my my lovely uh, life partner calls me Dobby the House Elf. So uh, that kind of grounds me. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Um, well, Tom, uh, is there anything you wanted to share with listeners that I didn't think to ask you? Not at all. Just to say, oh, I will share one thing, actually, because Insight Timer, the lovely people at Insight Timer, um, uh, found me. They, they discovered that, um, that my meditation seemed to be fairly world-class, and I've got loads of meditations on there. The app is free, and my meditations are free as well. So this isn't all about, uh, is, isn't all about moving money around the planet and that kind of abundance. And so if anyone wants to listen to my meditations for free, um, one of the aims of Insight Timer is to get the whole world meditating one person at a time. And I'm honored to be part of that movement. I really am. And, and again, one more time, uh, do they find these free meditations at TomEvans.co? Yeah, they can. All they can, the, 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 the free meditations go to InsightTimer.com, and there's an app for iPhones, an app for Androids. Um, and also I've got links to Insight Timer through my own site and my Twitter account. On Twitter, by the way, I'm called the BookWrite, like Playwright, but with a book in it. Because uh, uh, when I started out on this path, I started helping people write books. But now the book I work on is the book of someone's life as opposed to the um, the, the book books. I work a lot with people karmically, uh, helping them get on their path and finding their, their place in the world and their purpose. Okay. Well, it, uh, it sounds like you have a pretty incredible life, Tom. Uh, honestly, it really does. Uh, God, I, I wish uh, I, I, I wish you were my guardian angel. <laughs> you know, to uh, you know, to, to put my life on track. I, I'm sure all of my listeners out there are shaking their head, going, "Yeah, yeah, uh, we we wish we had him in our back pocket." Um, well, you know, thank you, thank you for uh, doing what you do out there. I mean, you're, you're obviously reaching so many people, uh, doing so much good work, so much good service, so much philanthropy. Um, you know, I I, I just uh, wish you well. Uh, you know, and and what you put out may it uh, come back to you threefold. <laughs> thank you very much, and it's a joy and a pleasure, and an honor to be on the show. Thanks for asking me. And and I really do appreciate you staying up in the middle of the night uh, to talk to my listeners. Uh, and it's, it's been a very worthwhile conversation. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you so much. Okay, good night. Good night. Take care. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to give you some of those websites again. Uh, you can reach Tom at TomEvans.co, and it's not C-O-M. It's TomEvans.co. Uh, he's also, his radio show is TheZoneShow.com, and he's got LivingTimefully.com. And uh, I know he mentioned a couple more, uh, which if you go back and listen to our interview again, um, I'm sure you can uh, catch those as well. 
So, um, listeners, I am putting the word out and hope this request for information reaches the right ears. If you know of any intentional pagan or goddess communities uh, where people have come together to purchase property, to live together uh, on, on a piece of property of, or some other variation of that theme, please let me know. Uh, I'd like to know more about it. I'd like to interview the center holder or the organizer. Um, lately, I have just been thinking about this a lot. Uh, maybe it's my second Saturn return. I don't know. And, and this is the new phase I'm moving into in my life. I can't be sure. But um, I just have this feeling that the way things are uh, are going, you know, we might find ourselves dis- deciding that it's a wise way to go uh, if we create these intentional communities with like-minded folks. Uh, And, you know, there's no point in reinventing the wheel. So uh, if there are already uh, successful groups out there, because, you know, these are complicated doings, you know, uh, at least I think, uh, to create these sort of intentional communities. Um, You know, it takes a lot of thought. It takes a lot of committed people, I would think. Um, Anyway, I want to hear about it. I'd love to learn about groups doing this kind of thing, especially uh, if they're doing it successfully. Um, So please, uh, don't don't be shy. Get in touch with me. Send me links. Send me folks' name. uh, That's sort of thing. Um, I am looking for intentional communities, uh, particularly if they're pagan-friendly, goddess-friendly, if they're humanist, if they're uh, progressive, um, you know, uh, you know, people who want to create a new world, uh, a new normal, you know, living by goddess ideals, partnership, caring, sharing, uh, justice, equality, uh, you know, those sorts of things. And um, I uh, wanted to share uh, some uh, a load off me. <laughs> uh, it, it, it feels I, I, I'm floating today. I'm much lighter. I uh, I just turned in my next book uh, to Emanion Press. I, I mentioned it was in the hopper. Uh, so this anthology is about how goddess spirituality or the ideals of goddess spirituality, how it's matured and can, uh, can provide us with a template, a roadmap, for a better world and helps us be better people. Uh, the title is Goddess 2.0, Advancing a New Path Forward, uh, which uh, I, I don't know if I told you or not. I decided to dedicate to Bernie and Jane Sanders and Rianne Eisler, author of Chalice and the Blade and the Power of Partnership. Uh, it'll be out early next year, and uh, you know I'll be telling you more about that uh, as, uh, as things get close. But first, uh, before we go any further, because I do have a report uh, from Pat, the roving Voices of the Sacred Feminine uh, Goddess reporter. Uh, But first, uh, a word from Joe Carson, and then we'll be back to Pat. Most people see humankind as really separate from nature and separate from the earth. I'm as much of this earth as a rock or a tree is. And I came out of it. This is is my mother planet. I grew out of this earth. As long as we conceive of divinity as above us or outside of us, or that our bodies are somehow less divine than spirit, 
there's no way that we can change our course. Well, you were listening uh, to the trailer for Dancing with Gaia, Joe Carson's feature-length documentary film. In it, she interviews 15 visionaries and teachers about earth energy, sacred sexuality, and the return of the goddesses Gaia. Joe traveled to ancient sacred sites all over Europe and the Mediterranean to shoot the film. These spiritual sites from northern Scotland to the central Turkey profoundly affected the origins of Western culture. If you have always wanted to see them for yourself but haven't, this is an opportunity to experience some of the best ones and get their story. The DVD comes packaged with a 45-page mini-book, and it's in color, uh, which goes even deeper into the material. And you know what? You can buy the DVD and the booklet together. Both are only $20. So if that sounds like a good deal to you, and I'm telling you it is because I've seen it, uh, it's just go to their website, dancingwithgaia.com, dancingwithgaia.com. So, uh, yeah, I promised we would have a word from Pat, the VSF uh, roving reporter. Uh, Pat uh, sends uh, some news, um, and uh, this was uh, written, it was online, uh, and the author was Robert Preet, and uh, he talks about uh, pay gaps persist for female doctors across the U.S. Uh, Medicare reimbursement review finds that male specialists earn more. Uh, and this was published in the Healthy Day News. Uh, female doctors in the United States make much less than their male colleagues, a new study finds. Researchers examined more than 3 million Medicare reimbursement claims received by doctors in 13 medical specialties in 2012. Overall, female doctors got $34,000 less than male doctors, the investigators found. After the researchers adjusted for working hours, productivity, Activity, years of experience, they found that female doctors uh, were reimbursed $18,000 less than their male colleagues. The study found that the largest gender gaps were in nephrology and rheumatology and, uh, and hematology, critical care, and medical oncology. And the study was published online uh, in August of this year in the Postgraduate Medical Journal. Uh, pretty sad, isn't it? Uh, even when you uh, are in that line of work, even when you are a doctor, uh, sexism in our paycheck uh, still is a problem. Sad, sad news. Um, also wanted to tell you that next Wednesday... Uh, my uh, guest will be Pat Allen. Uh, she's the author of Crone Nation. That's right, you know, like Maiden Mother Crone. This is Crone Nation. And uh, our show topic is Retelling the Future. What stories are we living? Living as if the future uh, we, we must wish for already exists shifts us into a space of limitless possibility. Let me repeat that. Living as if the future we most wish for already exists shifts us into a space of limited, limitless possibility. Doing this full-time is delusional, but trying it out 
exercises our heart and our imagination. As we witness the end stage of the patriarchy, new roles for both women and men become available. It's time to reconsider and reevaluate how we see ourselves in relation to the crumbling paradigm. The new novel, Cronation, grew out of the author's desire to do just that, examine the different ways women and men act in relation to the world as it is, and to create the world uh, we wish to see and make it real to others. So that's what we're going to be talking about uh, next week with Pat Allen. And uh, I think that should be a fun conversation. It seems almost in alignment with uh, some of the stuff uh, guru Tom Evans uh, was talking about uh, a bit, doesn't it? I think so. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, just a reminder uh, that uh, Goddess teaches us what you nurture and tend to survives and thrives and what you neglect withers. And uh, with that being said, um, I'm offering an incentive for contributions of $100 or more. Uh, you'll get my three CD set of interviews with Goddess Advocates discussing sacred sites around the world, which can't be found on any Internet archives. You can only get these from me direct. And uh, you know what? And if you can't afford a large contribution, I am sincerely grateful and uh, willingly take smaller offerings, and you too will get a gift uh, for your generosity. Um, I think uh, that about does it for tonight. Uh, you know, I'd like to just close the show with the thought, uh, actually a quote from Nelson Mandela. He says, may your choices reflect your hopes, not your fears. May your choices reflect your hopes, not your fears. I've been using that a lot lately uh, because I think it's so relevant. Uh, because we have so many choices in front of us, don't, I, don't we? Um, and we can act from a fearful, uh, reactive place, or we can act uh, from a place of love, a place of hopefulness. Um, you know, we can be proactive. So, you know, stop and think next time, you know, before you uh, take a breath. And I mean, I know I need to do this myself, too. Sometimes, uh, you know, we're all human, and uh, you catch us in the wrong mood, or you catch us when we're stressed, and, uh, you know, we don't take that moment to pause, and uh, we don't always make the right choices. So, you know, we're here to help each other. We're here to remind each other and uplift each other and encourage each other to be the best that we can be. So, like Nelson Mandela says, and I say this as much for myself as for you, may our choices reflect our hopes and not our fears. May our choices reflect our hopes and not our fears. Well, thank you very much, uh, listeners, for being with me tonight. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Tom and hope you'll avail yourself of some of his meditations. He certainly has one for uh, every phase of life. Uh, uh, you know, he's kind of convinced me I should probably go look at the website and uh, take advantage of uh, some of the meditations he offers and uh, some of the areas of my life that uh, even I would like some, uh, some help with. Um, that being said, uh, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Uh, summer is almost over. 
I hope you enjoy it. If you uh, have not yet, uh, you know, taken your summer journey, think about my Sacred Places of Goddess book and maybe use it to take a, uh, a goddess pilgrimage. Uh, it will tell you uh, how to get there, tell you where some of these sacred sites uh, or near, uh, near where you potentially live or maybe far away, uh, or maybe you can just be an armchair tourist and uh, enjoy it, uh, you know, from a, a nice cushy sofa. Uh, or even soaking in a, you know, soaking in a bubble bath. Uh, so sacred places of goddess, uh, 108 destinations. Uh, uh, check that out for your summer pilgrimage or even your fall pilgrimage. Um, you know, just an idea. So thank you, listeners. Um, I think that will bring things to a close tonight. Uh, you are the gas in my tank. You always will be. Thank you for your, uh, your feedback, for your cards and letters, and especially thank you for all the birthday wishes. Uh, I will be back with you next Wednesday, and uh, I hope, uh, hope you'll be there uh, with me too. Um, so that about does it. Remember, as Laura Kane says, choose love. I say I will That's all I have left If I don't If I won't Choose love And pride's all I have left If I don't Choose love Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.